We're rambling, 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 but today we have another special guest tonight and another awesome co-host. Callie is back. Yo. But tonight we're going to be talking with Sarah and we're going to be talking about a topic that is very near and dear to me because I'm a very big proponent of countering human trafficking and not just human trafficking in general, but protecting our children. Mm. And I know there's so much going on in our lives that sometimes we forget about the little things like you know, warning signs that might just be blatantly blown out in front of us, but we got everything going on in our lives. We don't know it. We don't realize it until it's too late and someone's sliding into our kids' DMs. So Sarah, welcome to the show. And Callie, welcome back. Thanks for having me, guys. So Sarah, let's start off with your background. Obviously, with in mind, because, you know, we can only say, like, three-letter agency, like the cool kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, well, um, I currently work for a three-letter agency in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, I am part of the Child Exploitation and Human Trafficking Group. Um, before I came here, I worked for the Secret Service. I can say that now, because I don't work for them anymore. <laughs> uh, I did that for a few years. Um before that, I did contracting overseas in Iraq and Afghanistan with Department of State. And before that, I spent eight glorious years in the Air Force where I got to play with dogs all day as a canine handler. So I've had a great career. It's super Honestly, sick. Oh, you know what? I, I just got to jump in there because I'm an Army guy. And every, oh. time I hear, every time I hear the Air Force, all I think about is like just incredible dining facilities. Yes. Incredible living locations. But yes, yes. they do deploy. Oh. Yes. They do deploy. So Sarah, thank you for your service. And I love the fact that you like both of you guys got to play with dogs. It's just and now and then and I love it. It's pretty awesome. So yeah. for, uh, human trafficking. Yes, ma'am. And your expertise right now is to manage the child exploitation cases in your area. Mm -hmm. So we want to give some parents some tools or maybe some things to kind of look out for. Um, What are like the main apps that you guys are finding these kids get like poached on, you know, air quotes? Honestly, everything. (laughs) But right now the general, um, the apps are using a lot right now. Uh, Snapchat, of course, TikTok is a really big one now. Um, And there's an app called Kik, K-I-K. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it is a social media, like chatting, videoing. Um, it is awful. Absolutely is awful. New age aim? Kind of. Yeah. So we've a lot of, uh, we've actually been finding a lot of people trading and selling in uh, child sexual abuse material. You'll hear me say that a lot. It's called, uh, we kind of tried to get away from using the world child pornography mm-hmm. because it doesn't give the victim it just, it doesn't sound right. Pornography has always been something that's consensual between two adults. There's yeah. nothing consensual about child rape. Yeah. So we've kind of moved to that, what we call now CSAM or child sexual abuse material. So if I say that a lot, that's, that's what I'm referring to. Um, but yeah, kick is an app that, you know, kids use cause they think, Oh, this is cool. And you can join these chat groups. And that's where a lot of these pedophiles are grooming and getting kids to send them 
images and videos, and they'll actually pose as young kids themselves, um, which we've seen a huge uptick in, you know, using other children's photos to get other children to um, send them sexual explicit material. And uh, yeah, so those are probably the three main ones we've seen so far. Um, but it can be anything. Video gaming is on the rise for grooming. Uh, there was a case recently in my AOR where um, this guy was, you know, playing with these two boys and, you know, he played the part of a young kid and groomed him to the point where he started getting stuff from him, you know, and in exchange for credits for a game. And, you oh. know, it's, yeah, these, these games where you can just log on and anyone in the world can get on there with you is, uh, you know, I, I tell every parent I meet, please don't let your kids play on those things. I don't let them play unless you know exactly that they are friends that you have met in person. They are young children. Nobody else gains access to their, their video games. So that's yeah. kind of like the rule, right? Yeah. I, yeah, I do a presentation actually for my agency um, where I go out to the schools, middle schools, high schools, anyone who will have me pretty much in a, a correct age range, which we're seeing it get younger and younger and younger now. And I will talk to the kids about like, hey, if you have not met somebody in person, I don't care if they're friends of a friend you don't add them on social media. You don't add them on gaming consoles. You add them on nothing unless you have seen them in person. You've played with them before. You know that they are a child like you. Zero. I even have that rule for myself. If I don't know you or I haven't, or I can't verify you are who you say you are, you don't get on my social media. Like I think it's a good rule in general, but you know, you brought up a great point, and this is one thing I didn't think about, and this is actually good for the U.S. Attorney's Office out there as well, is when you're looking at these gaming platforms and how you could buy tokens for people. Mm -hmm. So if you're using tokens, I mean, that's a great way to entice. I mean, some not everybody has money to give to their kids so they could buy tokens. Nope. And if a lot of people don't realize, like when a lot of these video games out there for like buying a, a certain uniform or a skin, they call it. You know, they're charging $20. So if some guy or girl is out there soliciting images, they're actually paying for it. So yeah. in another way, you're actually looking at it that way as far as a criminal offense. But then you're, you have to look at it like one way is like a lot of kids are like, uh, you know, this guy, girls, whoever, my friend is going to give me $40 and all I have to do is do this. Mm -hmm. it's, it's another thing, too. It's like. How do you I just go wish how do you have that conversation with your kids on like, what are the key questions to kind of look out for to maybe say, like say the kids did get solicited or someone asked to send them a picture. Like how, I don't have children, you know? So how mm -hmm. do you go about saying, Hey, these are the things you need to look out for to your children. I mean, I don't have, I don't have kids either. Um, so that's been kind of a hard one uh, dealing with parents when they come to me with those questions, like, well, what do I do? And I'm like, well, don't give them social media. You're giving a child a device made for an adult and you can't expect them to be good at all times, you know, even with the gaming devices, like unless there's no internet connectivity, like I had this conversation with my boyfriend the other day and yeah, I was like, our children, if I ever decide to have one, will not have a cell phone. They will not have gaming devices that hook up to the internet. And he was like, oh, that's so bad. I was like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> What's bad is giving them devices for an adult. Yeah. Um, yeah, so well, you know, we have to look, you know, I, I look at it a different way too, is I'm like, that is great in a perfect world. 
but for the 98% of the parents out there who don't, who are like relying that is almost like the latchkey kids. Like when I was a kid, I would go home. I'm a kind of older. I'm damn near 50 now. So when I was a kid, you know, my parents were working and I would be at 13, 14 years at home and home until Mm -hmm. eight o'clock at night when they got home or six, seven o'clock at night. And so I had the TV. But nowadays, mm-hmm. parents are like, okay, here's a phone. I need to know where you're at. They're using it for GPS or using it for everything else. Yeah. I think a big thing is to be able to have those difficult conversations. You know, my yeah. daughter just turned 12 and I just had, she brought up something about uh, something that happened at school. And I said, hey, you know what? You could always talk to me. I'm always here. I don't, mm-hmm. and it took me a while. I had to like basically interview an interrogator to make her understand that she could always come to me. And the same thing with my mm-hmm. son is like, hey, listen. You know, if you come to me and you're honest, it's, it's a lot different. The big thing is just starting with the difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. It is. And I find a lot of parents who, you know, that's where my, I guess, paranoia comes in when I think of those types of things. Because I've had parents come to me and say exactly what you said. You know, I've gone to my kids. I've told them they can talk to me. I'd rather them be truthful while their kid was coming to them with certain things and then hiding the fact that they were creating sexual abuse material and sending it to people in Mm -hmm. Syria and Iran and, you know, all these places because they weren't checking who these people were. So having those conversations with your kids are much needed, you know, being honest with them. Like there are bad people out there. I don't, I don't believe in, mind you, I don't have kids, but I don't believe you should sugarcoat it. You know, my, my dad worked, yeah, my dad worked in the same field I did. He did 40 years in the Chicago police department and he also worked in child abuse and missing persons. And my brother and I were very sheltered to the point of like, you know, we didn't go anywhere. We didn't have TV. We didn't have cell phones. You know, I got a flip phone when I was 16 years old and started driving, you know, um, we were, we were very, very sheltered, but at the same time, like they told us there are bad people out there and that's why we're doing this, you know? And, you know, I have so many parents that come up to me and they're like, we had the conversation, you know, they promised they'd tell us everything. And I'm like, that's why you trust, but verify. You know, because sometimes they don't feel comfortable coming to the parent, you know, they and that's we had a a case recently where the kid felt comfortable talking to their aunt, you know. Um, So it's kind of one of those things where sometimes like the presentations I do for kids, I kind of scare them. Like I try to scare them because I want them to know like there are bad people out there that will hurt you. You might think they're your friend. You might want to be an adult at 12 years old and think you're, you know, the hottest thing since cotton candy. But the fact of the matter is there are so many evil people in this world who will do nothing but exploit an innocent girl Mm -hmm. who just wants to be an adult, who wants to feel like she's pretty, who wants to feel like she's wanted. And they exploit that. Like these people groom, you know, they know what to look for. And like go into what you said about like, you know, kids who don't have a lot of money, they will look for, they will look for children who aren't dressed a certain way, who are, have a single parent, you know, who are the latchkey kid that, you know, pretty much have to take care of themselves. And they will start grooming those kids because they're easier. The grooming process is so much easier on those kids because they don't have that figure in their life, you know? Yeah. Jason, do you guys have rules for your kids as far as applications go on their phone? Yeah, I'm all up in it. Like I, I follow everything they do and yeah, 
always checking in I, like really I, you just have to be up in up in them now i'm i'm downloading things so i could track them if my daughter's walking home i make sure she varies her route all sorts of things it's like i don't i don't even want my like when i was a kid like you know you could ride your bike 20 miles and nobody's gonna mm-hmm. like grab you and molest you but i live outside of dc and we got crazy shit going on here yeah you know and it's uh it's everywhere and it's there are people standing grabs all the time and i, I like to like always caution people to think that she grabs a lot of times it's for exploitation. It's not for trafficking. It's mm-hmm. for kidnapping, abuse and rape. So it's like everybody wants to lump that in there with, with trafficking and they kind of get off. They're like, well, my kids, you know, we live in a safe neighborhood. There's not many traffickers. Yeah. But there might be someone that's been like scoping out your kid walking home every day. Mm-hmm. There might be some kook that lives on the road that uh, an all outward appearances looks normal. But, you know, they're not good people. No, and that sense of security living in a safe neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know, you got to live your life with the thought that, you know, no, especially when it comes to children, no place is safe. It, it really isn't. Um, you could have a eight foot fence with padlocks and somebody would still find a way to get around it if they wanted to. Fences only keeps the good guys out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's the other thing, too, is like the good guys, the good guy characteristics and like. Sarah will tell you about like a lot of people in this world of grooming and this world of exploitation come from every economic and every type of background mm-hmm. and even special agents, even police officers, even firefighters, deacons, yeah. mayors, attorneys, judges, every, every piece of the gambit is on the, is on the board. Mm-hmm. So there is no, nobody can look outwardly, look like a good person, but internally they're evil. Yeah. And they hide, they hide so well. We had, we had someone who worked in one of our offices here right before I made the switch over um, to my agency. They, they took him down. He was doing it on, uh, I think it was one of his work computers. I think he even had it on like you work for the federal government, bro. Like, come on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God. I know Kelly wanted to ask you about like the color codes for your kids. I thought that was kind of a cool question. So I heard this, um, kind of taking this from Amber and Ellie, I'll give her a follow. She works for Phil Craft Survival. I did their women's course back in November. And one of the things that she was talking about was having code words for your children as a way for them to express how they're feeling in maybe a good situation or a dangerous situation. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, green, yellow, and red. Mm-hmm. Green's good. Yellow's like, hey, what's going on? And red's like, this is an emergency. But it goes both ways, right? So if mom or dad says red, kids don't need to argue. They need to mm-hmm. say what mom and dad say and come immediately. But yeah. you can also ask your kids, hey, how are you feeling? What's your code word? Yeah, I mean, that's a great idea. I mean, that's a good idea for everyone. Like, yeah. I've had code words with my friends before. Like, hey, if I send you a pineapple emoji, like, get me out of here, you know, <laughs> something <laughs> like that, you know. But with kids, it is really good. Like having those those code words, colors, whether it be a fruit, a vegetable, a color, whatever the parent decides it's easy for their kid to remember, you know, hey, if I say red, you grab my belt and we're going, you know, if, if I say red, grab my belt, grab my pocket, whatever you can get your hands on and we're going, you know, um, it's, it's an easy way for a kid to, you know, kids associate a lot. So that's a perfect way to make them feel comfortable, make them feel like, you know, their parents are, you know, really looking out for them. And, um, yeah. 
I like it because it's a way for them to express how they're feeling in an environment that they not might be comfortable in. Yeah. Because who wants to say, oh, mommy, daddy, like this guy is touching me from behind or, you know, there's somebody looking at me or you notice something and, you know, you want to get you and your kids out. Like sometimes you can't voice that because it would compromise your safety. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <clears throat> That's a great idea. Have And, you know, then they feel like they're part of the team. Mm -hmm. You know, there's like, oh, wow, my parents are blah, blah, blah. They're, they feel comfortable enough to let me help them if something happens. Yeah. You know, I mean, just like young, with firearms. Yeah, go ahead with firearms, definitely. No, like with firearms, like I think we were talking about this, Callie, like actually integrating your kids into what would happen if there was, you know, just like you do fire drills. I don't know if people do that anymore, but my parents used to put me through fire drills. You know, we knew where the ladder was. We knew how we would get out. We knew what you know, how we would go and we would practice crawling on the floor. You know, it's the same thing with this kind of stuff. Like, you know, Hey, if you hear someone breaking into our house, because like we've had instances where these, Oh, there was this one case I was told about, I wasn't a part of it, but they, this guy like tracked down this girl by her social media. He followed her on social media because she added him because she wanted to be social media famous. This young girl in middle school he found her by her social media pictures, her cheerleading uniform, pictures of her home, and he showed up at her house. So those things happen. So mm -hmm. having those code words even in your house or being able to send that quick text, you're not like, mom, hey, somebody's in, you know, at the door, blah, blah, blah. You just send red, you know, yeah. something like that. And then knowing like, hey, these are the steps we're going to take. You're going to barricade yourself in this room. If I'm here, you're going to grab my belt. I'm going to be clear in the house. You know, however you do it, making them feel like, okay, I understand. I know, you know, the dangers of a firearm. I respect it, but I can still move with my parents and be safe and, you know, be taken care of. Those are all really important things. And like I said, I don't have kids, but these are all things I would do if I had a kid, you know? Well, even if you don't have a kid, you should have like, so we use the, uh, we have an alarm, but then I also upgraded and I got the um, little panic buttons mm -hmm. and I put them in certain locations throughout the house. Cause, and then I bought this badass audible alarm that goes with it. So if it hits nice. it, basically everybody's gonna be deaf in the house, but you'll hear it <laughs> down the road. So if you hit the panic button, it, regardless where you are, it's going to go off and it's going to be like, wow. And you tell me like, that's not going to, it's some, it, it might buy you time. And that's really mm -hmm. what all these things do. No, I, yeah. yeah. But integrate your kids. I absolutely, you know, that's one thing Callie and I talk about all the time when it comes to the firearm industry and training and stuff is teach these basic safety courses mm -hmm. to not only kids, but the new gun owners and stuff, but and get that out there because oh, yeah. it's really with today's world. I mean, like, like you said, people's just showing up everywhere. It's mm -hmm. happening more and more with the social media thing. Believe me. Yes. So Sarah, we want to bring like some awareness to the human trafficking and how prevalent it really is. Cause I think a lot of people are still pretty asleep on the fact that it happens a F ton here in America. Like mm -hmm. it is everywhere. Disneyland yeah. worst places to take your children, people. Yeah. I mean that those are pedophile playgrounds. <laughs> people don't even realize it, you know? Um, especially with everything going on with them being exposed for the amount of pedophiles that work for them. Yeah. Um, but in general, like people don't understand like how easy it is for people to disappear nowadays. Um, and a lot of it too is like, 
you know, human trafficking is everything from someone being thrown into a van and taken across the border or, you know, sold for sex or someone who gets into the sex industry and then wants out, but they got a pimp who's beating them and won't let them leave. You know, it is, it's heartbreaking when you think about it, like how many people disappear every day. Um, there's actually, and I'm going to plug this because I'm obsessed with this organization and the man who started it, he is one of my biggest heroes. Um, there, uh, there was a guy who was here in Memphis and his sister was actually trafficked. Um, yeah, she was found across the border in Mississippi. Uh, I believe it was, she was dumped in the Mississippi river. And, um, I mean, the grief this family, you know, experienced and dealt with, and, uh, his name's Matt Murphy and he was, a is a green beret. I think he's uh, getting out me medically. Um, but he started a organization called operation light shine and they've started working with HSI. So they just stood up a task force in Nashville with the child exploitation and human trafficking groups. Um, and they want to open one here in Memphis, which I really hope they do because I would love to be a part of this, but um, they are trying to get the word out there and they have all these amazing donors um, that are fully funding, like giving um, all sorts of equipment and things that we need that sometimes we can't get um, in order to help fight, you know, human trafficking and child exploitation and, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing and it, it helps us do our job and it, it, you know, they've been working with the child rescue coalition and really shining that spotlight on how much this happens and how people just have turned such a blind eye to it. Like you want to talk about a pandemic, like this is the pandemic. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. this, them, how would they do that? Where would they go? Um, I mean, you can go to their Instagram. It's literally operation light shine at operation light shine. Um, they have, you know, a link tree on there and I'm sure anyone who wants to go donate, um, they actually just did a collaboration with another friend of mine, um, who owns goon squad tactical. They did, um, you know, they have this gorgeous and human trafficking, um, flag that they started selling and then they donated all the proceeds to operation light shine. So that was pretty good. My friend, Mike Shaw was doing that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really cool. Um, but there's so many people in this fight now that we're just trying to highlight these things and get the word out there. And, uh, you know, it's a never ending battle, but it's one we'll keep fighting. Yeah. Very cool. So Sarah, what else do you got for us? I think we pretty much hit everything we wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> what else is going on in your world? What else do you want us to know about Sarah Paskey? Oh, gosh. Well, I got the opportunity to sit in on one of Callie's classes here recently, and that was Very absolutely cool. so much fun. Um, you know is... what? Let's let's plug Callie for a minute here. Tell, yeah. tell us what the class was. Give us the after action report. Come on. Hit it, Sarah. It's all you. Um, I mean, it was an intro to women's firearms course. There's no actual shooting. It is all about fundamentals, learning to move with the gun, which is something like people don't think of, you know, women, they get a gun, they go to the range and they shoot it and then they put it in a holster that they've never used before. And they, they carry, you know, um, I've had this talk with so many people to include my mom, like, you know, Hey, look at your holster. If you can't, you know, 
if you can't operate out of that holster, like you shouldn't be carrying it. Like that's not a good idea. So, I mean, Callie brings all these women in and they do this course and it is amazing. Like just watching her, you know, show these girls and all the girls are like, just looking at her with their eyes wide. Like, Oh my gosh, she's so awesome. You know? And it, it's amazing. Like it, it really is. Sorry. I got to go grab my computer cord. Cause my computer's about to die. <laughs> there is actually my first assistant instructor and I'm going to be bringing her on when, when she can make it to my courses specifically because she has the background and she's also teaching me stuff too. And it's a little bit more advanced, but it is so nice to have a second set of out there while you're handling other women and teaching them something. You know, I can only focus on so many things at one time. Mm-hmm. So having Sarah there is a godsend. Oh, and I had so much fun too. It was, it was so cool to like, you know, I've been wanting to be an FI for a firearms instructor for my agency and I will be going to the FI school, hopefully within the next like six or seven months. But you know, it really got the juices flowing for, you know, really wanting to go to FI school because I just have such a passion for it, you know, and, you know, especially with firearms, you can never, ever learn enough ever. Like it's just a constant education. And I just, I had so much fun with Callie in this course. It was amazing. How does someone find that? Like how, if like someone I know or someone in your location, and you travel, how does someone find your courses? So com and click on courses and it'll pull up. You know, I've got two courses posted right now, May 7th in Virginia beach and then June 11th out in Salt Lake city. I'm looking at potentially doing another course in Pagosa Springs and then one out in, Oh, where's not Phoenix, Scottsdale, Scottsdale, Arizona. So if you guys nice. attend the course or if you want private training, send me a message. I'm always down to come and do private training with people. One-on-one instruction is literally my favorite because I can just focus on you. Um, but yeah, the ValkyrieTribe.com on, uh, for the website and then the Valkyrie Tribe for Instagram. Or if you can't find that for whatever reason because Instagram hates me, I'm um, <laughs> there with two underscores in the middle. <laughs> And I do have to throw it out there about Callie, like cooking with, I think your grandma was online. Callie does so many lives. I think you had like your grandma on the other night. It's the cutest thing ever. <laughs> Her grandma is adorable. Isn't she oh the my best? Gosh. Oh my gosh. She's the sweetest person I know. Like oh, I get Sarah, messages I all the time. People are like, I love seeing your grandmother. Yada, yada, yada. Like I get a lot of endearing messages too about, you know, people who have lost their grandmother and they're like, I just come mm. to see because I miss mine and I get to see yours. So thank you for sharing. I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, that's adorable. Okay, everybody. Well, I appreciate you shining a light on a lot of what's going on in the exp- exploitation realm is like, and I'd like to, we really need to start doing some more round tables and stuff like that. Getting a group of people from different perspectives. And really letting you guys hammer it out. You know, I like to get like a big round table of LEOs and I want to get a lot more victim advocates on here as well. Oh, that'd be amazing. They I they do it. a job that people don't realize like nope. how much effect they have, you know, over the, uh, there's a, our main guy who does child exploitation in Nashville, Jim Cole, another mm. one of my personal heroes. Um, 
you know, he's, he's moved us into a victim centric approach instead of, okay, we need to get the pedophile. We need to get the pedophile. Well, we also need to rescue the victims. We need to concentrate on them. And uh, those victim advocates are just so integral to everything that we're doing. And, you know, um, just, just being there for the victims, being there for us, even like kind of guiding us when, you know, sometimes we want to go to an extreme and we need to not go to that extreme. So, uh, they're amazing. Okay. Sarah, tell us about your partner in crime on screen with you right now. Sarah has someone <laughs> hanging out with her. Yes. Uh, this is, this is the dog Callie. <laughs> <laughs> this is my Dutch shepherd. Um, I adopted her a little less than a year ago. I was in a really low point after the divorce and I lost all three of the dogs and uh, Callie came into my life, which was funny because I had told Callie I was like looking for a dog and then bam, I find this dog named Callie and I was like, oh, this is meant to be. Um, she's uh, she's amazing. I, I couldn't imagine my life without her. That's awesome. Well, Sarah, I really appreciate you coming on. I'd like to, I'm looking forward to having you back on the show, especially having Callie back on. And everybody, make sure you, you um, what's your IG? Do you want people to follow you or you don't care? Um, people can try to follow me. Um, I'm going to like check them out and see if I know them or if somebody else knows them. Um, I am very careful about who I add because there's a lot of bot accounts. How, how about we just support, support, yeah. <laughs> support you through positive energy? And, there but really. <laughs> If you, you're not necessarily supporting Sarah, but really get involved locally, start yeah. local. And if you're look, if your neighborhood or your area, your town, your district, your whatever, doesn't have anything to help out victims of child exploitation and especially in victims of trafficking, or they don't have task forces, they don't have agencies and it's stuff's happening in your neighborhood. See how you could help. You don't necessarily have to donate money, but sometimes all it takes is a keyboard to get some things going. Right, right, yes. right. Yeah. If you see something, say something like a lot of the, a lot of the cases we catch are from people speaking up, you know, saying, Hey, this is weird. Hey, something doesn't seem mm -hmm. right. Hey, I have a bad feeling about this. You know, I will always follow through on any sort of tip I get and work it until either I find out it's nothing or, you know, I, everything, it could be something. So one more thing, Sarah, you're in, you're in the Memphis area. If somebody mm -hmm. wants to, so there's a parent that's listening to this that mm -hmm. in your area, how would they get a hold of you to maybe have you come speak at their kid's school? Um, so I can give out my work cell, I guess. Um, we'll, we'll give the uh, tip line <laughs> when we get out. We can yeah. Leave yeah. People can, they can <laughs> find the that. local area and stuff like that. And because Sarah works for an agency right now, she's trying to keep it incognito. There are local, I mean, um, if you go, if you think of three-letter agencies, think about your local ones and what kind of jurisdiction mm -hmm. they have. FBI, people usually go there and knock on their have. You have Homeland Security Investigations. You have, um, and really, what else is out there? IRS. There's oh, IRS. There. Secret yeah, Service a, does some child exploitation because um, mm -hmm. I, I worked a couple cases with them, but obviously the protection trips kind of get in the way of everything and um, but yeah, you can go to any of those websites. Uh, also a really good place. If it's something about child exploitation or human trafficking, there's the national center for missing and exploited children, NICMIC. Um, NICMIC has a tip line. You can go on there. Um, you can place a tip and we get those tips. So they, they send them out to the prospective areas. We have a, um, an ICAC here in Memphis with the Memphis PD that we work very closely with. They get a lot of those tips and farm them out to us, um, other agencies. So 
uh, NICMIC is a really, really good organization to go and put those tips in. Mm -hmm.